everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life podcast. I'm Janine Strong, and today my inspiring conversation is with Tiffany Layton of Rock Bottom Wellness. For 10 years, Tiffany felt depressed, irritable, hopeless, and tired. By her first baby, she was overweight and had high cholesterol. So why did all her thyroid tests come back normal? In 2007, she was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And I will let Tiffany tell you her story. Bottom line is that the only thing that actually helped her was proper nutrition. She learned how nutrient deficiencies contributed to both her thyroid health symptoms and causes. She cured her depression, lost weight, and got her energy back. Tiffany has become a thyroid expert in nutrition and has helped hundreds of people get to the root cause of their thyroid symptoms, find a way up from rock bottom, be their own best advocate, and shortcut the path to an amazing life. Her new book, Rock Bottom Thyroid Treatment, an eight-week thyroid diet for people with quote-unquote normal thyroid tests to thrive, not just survive. It's available now on Amazon and through Tiffany's website, Rock Bottom Wellness. Now, before we start the conversation, I'd like to apologize for some of the quality. I'm not sure what's going on, but ever since the COVID lockdown started, I've been having issues with recording. Whether I use Skype or Zoom doesn't seem to make any difference. There is a little static, but it does go away. So hang in there. Hi, Tiffany. How are you? It's good to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, you know, Tiffany, there are so many people who have thyroid issues who go to their doctor and ask for help and are told that their lab work is normal and there's nothing wrong with them. And, um, you know, it's depressing when you don't feel good and you're struggling and your doctor gives you an antidepressant to fix it. But that doesn't fix anything. No, it does not. Um, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate. There's so many people that are not getting the help with undiagnosed or misdiagnosed, underdiagnosed um, thyroid conditions. And, you know, they have all the symptoms under the sun. And I realize that fatigue and hair loss can be attributed to many, many things. So it's, it's easy initially for people to say, oh, it must be my thyroid. But oftentimes the thyroid manifestation of, you know, different symptoms, it takes a long time for that picture to be put together to where it actually shows up in a, in a blood test, which they typically only test the TSH, sometimes the T4 total, if you're lucky, and that's not even close to enough information to really know what's going on with thyroid hormone and, you know, the conversion of it and all the things that go along with that. It's much more complicated than that. And it blows my mind that an organ that literally affects every cell in the body is sort of overlooked or just not quite understood. Or I don't know, I don't know what the issue is, but I know that for me, I am super grateful that I had the doctors I had to help me get through the thyroid cancer, it was just the aftercare and trying to find a normal 
that I could live with was where I feel like I was failed. That's the same boat that so many other people are in where there's not a lot of follow through with that, whether it's cancer related thyroid issues or not. Um, you know, people just are left to struggle and like you said, yeah, put on antidepressants, absolutely. you know, because that's one of the symptoms is so strong with thyroid and, and that only scratches the surface. Doesn't, it doesn't do much. Absolutely. I'll never forget my endocrinologist coming to me and saying, I've got good news for you. Everything's normal. And I'm like, I feel like shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It's the weirdest thing to be so, so, so sick and so debilitated and, and feeling like you cannot wait to actually have a diagnosis so that there could be something to be done. And that was how I felt. I was, I was scared. I mean, I was scared to have a cancer diagnosis, 100% fearful. Of course. But at the same time, I was like, my gosh, this is the answer finally to the years and years and years of horrible symptoms. And I honestly thought that once that, you know, cancerous thyroid gland was removed from my body and the lymph nodes that were also malignant were removed from my body, my life would be so much better. And it actually got worse, way worse. And you were, were you put on thyroid? I assume you would be put on thyroid medication then since you're not producing T4. Yeah. So when they take the, when they, when they took it out, right, you know, that initial time period of putting, being put on medication without a thyroid gland, they first put me on T3. So it was a cytomel. So if anybody's heard of that, or it's the leothyronine is the generic form. So I was put on cytomel because it has a much shorter half-life and I was getting ready for treatment. So when you go through thyroid cancer treatment, um, at least my version of it, you need to be hypothyroid as possible to um, go through the process. And so they t- put you on T3 originally. This might have changed now. This was in 2007. So maybe it's different protocol now. But what they do is they put you on T3 to kind of get you by from surgery to treatment because you only have to be off the meds for a short time because of the half-life so that you can become hypothyroid prior to your treatment. So I felt really actually pretty good. I felt really good after surgery and being put on the T3. Well, then I had to go off of it because of the treatment, like I mentioned. And um, it... (laughs) it went downhill from there. It was, it was bad. And then after you do the treatment, then you get put on Synthroid or, you know, levothyroxine, um, something like that. And that was all I was on for three years. And my symptoms kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. So now that's just T4, right? That's just T4. Right. So that's not a, right. And that's not addressing whether or not your body's converting T4 into the usable T3. Exactly. So, and I remember, you know, this is, I I was teaching anatomy and physiology at the time. So I had, uh, you know, a a lot of awareness about, about this, but when it's not applicable to you in the moment, you're not really thinking about it, but I I got to thinking, Mm -hmm. okay, I just had this organ removed from my body and it converts T4 to T3 I don't have that organ anymore. How is that working? And I recall talking to my doctor about it. Like, you know, I knew that other organs had to take over for it or other organs were involved in that. And, you know, it's, it's like, you know, he didn't really have time to explain that to me and address how it was going to happen other than it just does. Don't worry about it. It just does when, you know, and I know 
shortly after that, I figured out that, you know, the liver pretty much takes care of right. a, a ton of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's 24%. Yeah. So, yep, it's it's a lot of it. It's not, but it's a far cry from having a, a thyroid gland. And so, right. you know, I knew I was kind of behind the eight ball with that with regard to my symptoms and, you know, knowing that I have to get all the support for my liver, is my liver healthy? Am I, does it detoxify properly? Is it having all these other burdens? And it did because I had horrible, horrible, you know, female monthly cycle symptoms. They were awful to the point where I did miss going to work because of them regularly. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but then again, it's no big deal because you can just be put on the birth control pill to take care Mm -hmm. of that. And I was Mm -hmm. like, are you you sure? Because I think that that might cause issues with my thyroid medications. You know, no, no, it's a different pathway. It doesn't affect it. No big deal. Two or three months later, my thyroid numbers were off after I started because I was so desperate to be able to go to go to work and and function. And and, I mean, it was horrendous. I'll spare you the the gory details of that. (laughs) But people who've been there know exactly what I'm talking about. And Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. so, you know, it was one of those things where instinctively I knew that that was not a good thing for me, but I was so desperate to find an answer to help me feel better. So, you know, this is over. Right. A span of years. And so, you know, I talked to my doctor, I'm like, I still feel horrible. And he's like, it'll just take time. You know, it's, it's been three years at this point. So kind of in a one fell swoop, I decided to quit going to the, to the facility I was going to, I found a different doctor that I knew would be more that I heard and learned about that would be more willing to at least attempt to add some T3 to my regimen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so he did that the first day I met him. And the first time he had ever seen me, he you know, apparently trusted me enough to be able to tell him if I thought it was helping or whatnot. And I've been on it ever since. I've been on T4 and T3 ever since. And I have been on the synthetic version of it, which is kind of, you know, not ironic, I guess, just different because I know a lot of people Mm -hmm. will swear by, you know, doing the more natural versions of it. I did try it. It may not have been dosed right. I was doing it for a couple of years and I felt I went back to ground zero. It was not a good thing for me. Um, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. so I've had to stick with the T4, T3 combination synthetic and that's what started the ball rolling in the right direction that gave me the wherewithal to be able to say, okay, now I need to look at something else. I've got like my family's in check, finances are in check, um, my job is in check, but I haven't really dug into the nutrition piece. I mean, I eat pretty well. We cook mostly at home. We don't eat out very mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. But there's mm-hmm. obviously room for improvement there. And mm-hmm. I was told that what I eat doesn't affect how I feel, <laughs> which Jesus. is strange to me since, Sorry, bio, but, you know, oh, it's, it's biochemistry. I didn't make that up. It's, you know, biochemistry that, you know, all the, the nutrients go right into the cycles of our body to make us thrive and function and do what we're supposed to do to make them operate. That's our fuel for our body. So Again, I just yep. kind of went by my gut and I decided that I, I don't care what they say. I need to look deeper into this. And I went to functional nutritionists, naturopathic doctors. I, you know, did all the routes and I found that, you know, cleaning up certain things right away was key critical and totally started the ball rolling in the positive direction. And even, mm-hmm. even so, mm-hmm. you know, it took for all the years I felt terrible for, I mean, years, not just like a couple years, we're talking 10, 15, maybe 20 years, even by that God. time. Um, I, wow. I started to turn around within a week or two. 
Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, it wasn't wow. solving all the problems. It, and, and, you know, since then, I would say it was probably a good progression over at least five, maybe eight years to where I felt like I could say I used to dream of just being normal, yet I had no idea what that normal <laughs> feeling was. I just knew it was better than where I uh-huh. was at. And so I, right. I just felt that if I could just be normal and just function normally and not be wanting to go back to bed as soon as I got out of bed in the morning, you know, things like that. <laughs> I just wanted, Oh yes. my, my goals were small, you know, it was a small, yep. I, I don't think they were very lofty goals at all, but I just needed a little bit of that to get the ball rolling. And, and it happened overnight with the removal of some really inflammatory foods. And I actually had um, antibodies and sensitivities to and from then I just kept going and I figured, you know, I, I had initially, I had some help from like said a naturopathic doctor and, um, some nutritionists. And I remember the first time I walked out mm-hmm. of that nutrition appointment, I was like, I want to be her. I want to do what she does because this is more than just <laughs> somebody eat more vegetables and add some fruit and watch calories, which I didn't believe in in the first place as far as calorie thing goes Mm -hmm. and so I Mm -hmm. I, this is much deeper this is functional this is like medical nutrition this is therapeutic nutrition this is different and I wanted to be that person so you know it took another few years Mm -hmm. before I quit my job as science teacher in the high school and went back to get my master's to do what I'm able to do now with people yeah wow Mm -hmm. I I truly honor you because I I know how you know, when you're, when you're not feeling well too, it's, you know, it's hard to, it's like, you're always pushing yourself mm-hmm. yeah. right, to, to, to do the things that need to be done. And I remember, in fact, it's interesting that you're saying this because it's reminding me how much better I'm doing because I can hop out of bed in the morning. And I remember when I had to push myself to get mm-hmm. out of bed. Yeah. You know, it was like, <laughs> I'd rather just stay in mm-hmm. bed. <laughs> yeah. And, it's, you know, over time, it's depressing. It's debilitating. Mm-hmm. It is, mm-hmm. I mean, depression mm-hmm. at all time high. And I, you know, I sometimes I say this out loud and I think, oh, I should probably not say that out loud. But if, if honestly, I, I wouldn't be here if I was continuing on that path. There's no way. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. I know mm-hmm. it. Exactly. Ex- I knew exactly what you mm-hmm. were going to say, because I used to say, if this is my, if this is what the rest of my life is going to be like, I'm done. Excuse me, everybody, but mm-hmm. fuck it. I don't mm-hmm. want to be here. I do not. I mm-hmm. don't want to. That's it's not because to me, it's about quality. Yes. You know, and, and the, qua- and the quality sucks. Yes. So Tiffany, I want to ask you a question before we get into um, all of the nutritional stuff. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, I, we hadn't talked about this before, but I'm just curious and, you know, maybe you don't know, but I'm sure you have a, a sense. How, what do you feel like th- that brought on this thyroid cancer, you know, toxins, yeah. genetics, emotional stuff? What do you think was going on with you that, that really, you know, snowballed into a thyroid cancer? You know, I've thought about this a lot and and I, there's kind of one conclusion, which I will never know if that's the actual cause of it. Mm-hmm. But um, first of all, there there's one person in my family that was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. They were 50 years old. They're now in mm-hmm. their 80s, maybe into 90. 
And that was, you know, it was obviously a long time ago. And she is a, you know, like far removed relative. So there's nothing in my immediate family that has any, not even a, not even hypothyroidism, not even an autoimmune condition. So Mm -hmm. to me, I don't really feel like it's a genetic thing for me. I believe, um, lots of, I'm kind of a anxious, wired, um, high strung person, or that's how I've been described. Although then some people who don't really know me think I'm really chill, you know, chill and laid back. So I am a good actor, um, or actress. Uh So I, um, Mm -hmm. what my thing is, what my conclusion is, is so I'm from a very, very small town in North Dakota and it is a, you know, farming community and where I grew up Mm -hmm. on a farm was surrounded by Mm. fields and those fields were sprayed all the time Mm -hmm. and lots of chemicals and that type of thing. And if you, if there's a, there's a book and I don't remember when it's published, but I think it may have come out in the fifties, but it's called silent spring. And there's some, there's Mm -hmm. some, yeah, there's some information about thyroid conditions and the environment and toxins and that kind of thing. And of course, um, you know, I don't want to go into the whole, you know, GMO debate and all that kind of not, I don't think it's a debate, but I, I know where, where I'm from, that's absolutely a, a, a hot button. Just so you know, I've done a lot of podcast, uh, interviews on mm-hmm. glyphosate. And, um, in fact, I just did a blog post because months, well, not Monsanto bear just bought out on roundup mm-hmm. uh, two years ago, but it's over a $10 billion settlement. Yeah, there you go. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah. And, but you know what? They're not required to put on the label that, that it's cancer right. causing, that it's been found to be cancer. Yeah. And the, the people who are using these chemicals there, I've seen the marketing to them for their reps, for farmers or growers, you know, whatever. They don't believe that this is causing any issues with people. They're not doing it on purpose. You know, they, they're just growing food. It's their, it's their livelihood. They're growing food for the masses through, through, for the world, really, you know, in our, in our, in the United States, it's obviously goes everywhere. I, I just think that that, you know, was a big factor. And and part of it is, like I said, I'm from a very small town. My class was about 60 people that I graduated with. And the day I was diagnosed with my thyroid cancer, one of my classmates died of thyroid cancer. And since I've learned of, you know, a handful of other people with thyroid cancer that were, you know, roughly within my age group, you know, within five years or so, give or take. And so I feel like there's nothing conclusive about that, of course, but I feel like being there, there's no genetic component. No one else in my family has any thyroid condition at all there that I feel like that's probably where it started. Plus maybe I didn't handle stress very well from the get go. <laughs> you know, So there's mm-hmm. that component too. Right. Well, there are, you know, there are going to be more than one factor, sure. but especially the fact that that you were not the only one in a small class who's right. been diagnosed mm-hmm. with thyroid cancer. That's very yeah, telling. I, I oh, thought so yeah, too. I mean, that certainly feels right to me. When you said that about the your other classmates who had the similar issues, I just got chills. Well, yeah, like, you know, and I told uh, my doctor that, and and I, actually, she had the version that usually you would find in a sixty-five-year-old man who had been exposed to radiation in the war. Or in some kind of, you know, 
military something or another. And she went basically by the time she was diagnosed, she's, you know, terminal. And it didn't take very long after she was diagnosed for her to die. And I mean, it's just a horrible, horrible, horrible situation. And he was blown away by that. He, he just couldn't believe that she had that version of the thyroid cancer with her age being female and that kind of thing. Cause yeah, it, it was, it was pretty, pretty awful. Well, that's for me, that's just another, another clarification that, you know, the dangers of mm-hmm. glyphosate and, and pesticides. And yep. toxins. Um, yeah. So if anybody's interested, I do have a newsletter and I think, uh, how many were there? There's like, I think there's like six different with research scientists, functional medicine doctors, a farmer, all kinds of, you know, people, uh, talking about from their experience and their, their expertise, um, you know, the dangers. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty. Yeah. It, I, I, I think it's incontrovertible. I mean, oh, and one thing before we get into sure. nutrition that I just recently found out, which really upset me is you know the um it's a little a little thing you can print up it's the 15 what oh it, you the know, clean the 15 clean and the dirty and the, like the dirty dozen and the clean 15 mm-hmm. yeah do you know they don't test for glyphosate nope i did not know that i just you would assume that that would be at I the top of the list i didn't know that either and the person who told me was dr stephanie Seneff. i've had her on several times yeah, you know that. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. I mean, I guess it it tells you pesticides and stuff that you know that what are more clean from those types of things. Right. But um, yeah, that's not the whole story whatsoever. And I think people use that right. as a as a, a quick guideline, and they feel very safe. They're mis- misguided yeah, on what it's absolutely. telling them. That's the sad part, and that's what that's what happens with all of our nutrition. Um, I feel like we're it's just so confusing for people. And that's why they need to come to see someone like me or someone who's trained in mm-hmm. nutrition at a different level to where it's actually functional or therapeutic versus just we we don't need to pay anybody to eat more produce, you know, to or to learn to right. eat more produce right. or to be told that um, or, you know, other things like that, too. But there's there's different between eating. There's a difference between eating well and eating to overcome symptoms or diminish symptoms or to feel like you have energy and, and that type of thing. And then there's, there's kind of a skill around figuring out what that is for the individual. Well, that's a perfect segue. Awesome. So, <laughs> so take it away with, yeah, your, how you work with nutrition, how it's different from just, you know, eating well. Yeah. So, you know, looking at people's symptoms and really digging in to what could be causing it, what could be the deficiency that's contributing to those symptoms. That's not to say that by eating more produce or just generalize that all the things will go away, all the, all the problems will go away. That's not what I'm saying. But if you have information about what your cells have for fuel in the form of micronutrients. So that's going to be the vitamins, minerals, amino acids, antioxidants, um, how you handle blood sugar, how you handle fructose, how you metabolize those things. Having that information is super important for be able to replenish your body, restore your functioning, 
and actually change just your outlook on life and and your ability to live life to the fullest. Because if you're constantly, you know, doing quick fixes, eating from the guidance you find on a TV commercial, or keep doing a program that your, you know, cousin did, and they lost all this weight or whatever it is, if you're not doing, you know, customized nutrition for your condition, for your symptoms and how you feel, you know, you, your, your gains will be pretty um, sporadic and maybe not really complete. That's, that's what I have seen. And, and that's part of why my journey, I felt like took longer than it should have because we're, we're all impatient for <laughs> feeling better. And I was so desperate to mm-hmm. feel better. But I knew, even though I'm not one to, um, f- well, for example, I learned that I had f- four pretty severe sensitivities to four really big groups of of foods types of foods and I instead of doing you know cutting out one thing at a time I cut them all out at one time and it was it was not it was stressful it was not easy but that's just how I was doing I was so desperate to find some resolve and I did and I did and so um that that's what I learned is that you maybe you don't have to go that fast and you don't have to go that hard and make it that stressful on because I was very stressed out about it and I almost created an eating disorder around it because I was so afraid to eat foods because I didn't know what would make me feel I didn't want to go back how I was feeling and so I was scared to eat so that's a whole nother thing I don't recommend that but but it just kept going and progressing and snowballing into you know figuring out where I was deficient and once those those deficiencies are replenished then you have like a whole nother, it's, I don't know, sounds so, I don't know, <laughs> maybe corny, but it's like you have a whole nother life ahead of you. <laughs> if you, if you kind of get the ball rolling and, and actually have the baseline information in order to do that. And, you know, sometimes we get this information either, we can either do blood testing or we can go a lot off of symptoms. And I have some really, um, really, really deep questionnaires and our, you know, my conversations with people go really deep into symptoms and timeframes and family history and all that kind of thing. And so even if people don't want to do the, the blood testing, we can get to the bottom of things without that. It's, it's not, of course, black and white. It's not as effective over time, but it is a process that, that I find works. And so a lot of the people who maybe don't have severe, severe symptoms, like what I was experiencing, a lot of times people do that. But you know what? Most, most of the times people absolutely, um, they want to get to the bottom and have their black and white information. It's basically a blueprint for getting them back into health. And so, um, the process that I outline in that book is, is basically a condensed version of what I did over those eight years, five to eight years. Um, but it's, I just put it in a, in an eight week timeframe yet, we oftentimes customize timeframes to maybe it spells out for, you know, three, three months or something versus eight weeks. Or we, again, customization, modification, depending on where the person is coming from and where they're starting. So that's how that works. Well, one of the things that I, I was impressed with when I read your book, Rock Bottom Thyroid Reset. Thyroid thyroid Treatment. Yep. Right. Is that you really just take one small step at a time. So it's not overwhelming. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was interesting because you, you have a lot of, you know, we'll call them case Mm -hmm. studies 
um, where people were afraid to start doing this, afraid to have to change their diet and go through all this. And they found that just doing one thing at a time, even starting with one meal and changing that and not worrying about the rest mm -hmm. of the day, you know, that they were able to do that and have success more, most importantly. Right. Yeah. And go ahead. I'm sorry. It snowballs. Well, it, no, it's okay. It snowballs, though. Once you start to feel a little bit better, you want to keep going. Mm -hmm. Wow, what else? Yeah, <laughs> and then it's sustainable, you know, because and the reason why I really wanted to put that in there and, and how I've worked with my um, patients ever since is is really going through the process of integrating the steps to getting better. So if you take you know, especially someone who is completely overwhelmed, extremely exhausted, can barely get out of bed in the morning, we're not going to, you know, start this whole food cooking meal plan for seven, you know, for <laughs> seven days a week, all three meals and think that it's going to stick. I mean, that's just not going to happen. So you start with where you're at. And um, usually in the initial intake, I find holes in the person's day where we need to optimize their energy balance of blood sugar, you know, look at where their cortisol is, is helping them throughout the day versus where it's not helping them throughout the day. And then, you know, we figure out what, what meal should we focus on to start with. And oftentimes, you know, that maybe we start with breakfast or we, maybe it's lunch or whatever. We start with one. And then once people start leveling out, normally normalizing out with that, the other things sort of fall into play, they fall into place. They start to um, just lead, you know, it's like one good meal begets another good meal. And it just starts to make sense for them because they're feeling so much better. And then they have the, they have the ability to actually make the effort to to make better food and to shop for better food and to learn about new foods or whatever you know what is for them but I also have worked with people who eat really really simple basic foods over and over and over again and they still get amazing results it doesn't have to be this elaborate meals and and things you've never heard of and all those kind of things. But, you know, there, there is a pro there is a process. And like I said, I've condensed it to take people through eight weeks, which took me eight years to go through and, and to kind of put it together, you know, to put it and like, Oh, this is what I've been doing for a long time. And people can get quick wins. I was just trying to figure stuff out along the way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's no, uh, no need for everybody to reinvent the wheel. You've gone through this I mean, really, this is your business, mm -hmm. but also have the grace to share it with right. everybody because, you know, we don't all have to go through the same losses and trying to figure things out if someone else has. Exactly. What did you find are some of the foods that are the most, I don't want to say, I guess, damaging to uh, thyroid health, to, that they're the most effect? The, the first thing I think of is soy, um, which sort of goes back to our discussion of GMO and glyphosate and or glyphosate. Um, but soy, soy can, you know, and that's sort of controversial, controversial as well with how soy affects thyroid. Um, right. I feel like it's twofold. It's, it's number one, soy, especially if you're not eating you know, 100% organic, which is sometimes very hard to do. Or if you're not going to the farmer's market and getting your whole foods most of the time, if you're eating 
processed foods regularly, even if it's just, you know, some chips or if it's maybe some crackers that you have with meat and cheese or whatever you're doing, um, what happens is that soy, I believe, I don't know what the the percentage is anymore, but I want to say it's like 96% of the soy grown in the United States anyway is is GMO. And so it's super inflammatory to people. Plus it's a very, it's very common allergen, allergen for people. So many, many people, um, are allergic to soy. So we're causing inflammation just from that alone. If you have an allergy, that is one of the allergies, um, food sensitivities that I, that I have. Um, and I do notice it if I decide there's a really, really delicious, um, Chinese restaurant in my area and they have a fabulous gluten-free menu and the people are very well trained in it and um, it's just it's delicious but I know that I'm eating gluten-free soy sauce tamari and I make the choice <laughs> you know it's sort of sort of risking it for the biscuit kind of thing you know it's like sometimes it's worth doing that and I can tell right away that I've had, and that's just soy, you know, like soy sauce putting on top of your food. It's not like bathing in it by, by any means. And it causes right, a huge reaction right. to me. Wow. What about tofu? If it's organic? Personally, um, I think that that is okay because it's, it's organic and it's more of a whole food version. It's not a processed version of the soy. I don't think right. soy in and of itself in its, you know, whole food form is a big problem. I think it's when we get into that processed soy, which, so if you look at any, if you look on the grocery store aisles and, and, and look in the processed food areas, the bagged and packaged process, you know, bags and boxes of food and soy in some version will be in almost everything. And so it's really hard to get away from, but if you're eating mostly whole foods, that's the number one way to get away from it. So that's super inflammatory for people. So that, and it's poor for your gut health and all that kind of stuff. Gut health is a major issue for thyroid patients. Typically, we have lower stomach acid that makes it harder to break down proteins. So sometimes people have, yeah. Now so that I didn't know. Yeah, so people often will say, after I eat some chicken, which obviously is high protein content, even you know proportionally to the weight and stuff, it sits there like a rock forever. People say it just feels, I, I don't like eating protein, it just sits there forever. I feel like it takes forever to process. Well, if you have low stomach acid, you're not able to break down those big protein molecules very easily, very efficiently, efficiently. Therefore, you're not assimilating the nutrients very well. And so we look, need to look at digestive health when it comes to that. And so that's a lot of where the, the foods that I recommend people, you know, go away from for a while to tamp down inflammation and then find out what if any of those types of foods are causing those issues, another one is, is gluten. So gluten can be inflammatory, whether you're allergic or celiac or not, or have that food sensitivity, food sensitivity to it or not, it can be very inflammatory, because guess what, it is usually GMO, it's um, in everything, there's wheat, there's wheat in, again, kind of like the soy, it's in anything processed, because it's um, basically a cheap filler or emulsion, or not a emulsifier, but like a thickener, you know, it helps to give the body to the, to whatever product you're talking about. And so, um, but you know, the flip side, people say, oh, okay, well I'll just buy 
gluten-free this and gluten-free that and gluten-free, you know, whatever. And they're not doing anything better. They're actually causing just as much inflammation because they're so processed and they have such a high glycemic load that it's causing inflammation in it from a different way. So I know it sounds really complicated and people might listen to this and go, oh my gosh, well, there's nothing I can do then. And they might feel overwhelmed and just want to quit before they start. But if you have the guidance and know what you're knowing what you're doing and you are learning and connecting the dots about what you're eating and how it makes you feel, that's what the process is about. So there's, I'd like to just clarify a couple yeah. of things. Okay, with soy, the reason the GMO is a problem is because the seeds have been modified to whisk, just like corn, modified to withstand being sprayed with glyphosate. Right. With wheat, wheat, as far as I know, the last time I checked, but wheat is generally not genetically modified. What they do is within like the last five to seven days, they spray the wheat with glyphosate to kill it because it's not, hasn't been modified to withstand it. And it dries the wheat and makes it more harvestable. They get a bigger harvest. And especially the farther north you go, where the growing seasons are shorter and perhaps wetter, it's used even more. Right. So my question, though, with with wheat is, do you know if or have you done any research with, of course, it has to be organic, mm -hmm. heritage wheat? Because it hasn't been hybridized to have higher gluten and higher protein. Right. Yeah, that's my understanding of it, too. So, you know, this is where, aside from someone who has celiac disease, where wheat can be a problem for people who have, you know, sensitivities to the gliadin protein, which is what people react to. Um, so what how I understand it as well is that there is some genetically modified wheat out there. I don't know, um, but it's not it's not super common, but it's more of, like you said, it's, it's like a new version of the wheat. If you think of wheat of biblical times, it was this, you know, ginormous plant. It was huge. You know, the wheat stalks and we're, we're just a completely different plant than it is today. And, um, I can't remember the, the difference of the chromosome difference between, you know, ancient wheat compared to the modern wheat it's it's staggering the difference of chromosomes and I can't, I can't remember the numbers of it but that is what i have understood is where our bodies are they don't basically don't know how to process it very well i'm sure there's i'm sure there's way more to it than what i just said there i just that's in my research that i've seen um right well and there's also there's something about um oh gosh i should listen to it again in fact while we're talking here i'm, I'm just looking for because it's a really fascinating talk about the farming aspect mm -hmm. of it and how wheat has been uh, hybridized to be shorter so it doesn't fall yeah. over and and how the gluten or it's ha it has to do with certain proteins certain amino acids and how they don't develop properly anymore and so it makes the the gluten content higher I, it's episode number 11 with David okay. Seltzer if anybody's that would interested. be really good and you know it's not just wheat too i mean it's barley it's rye um and they yep. have very different yep. percentages of gluten you know so it, it it just you just don't hear you don't hear i mean barley was grown around 
around me like crazy as well as, as well as the wheat, but, um, rye, not as much, but there it's, I think it just is so many of the growing practices. It's just, I, I feel like just to totally watered down and simplified, I feel like our bodies don't really know how to process some of it because it's not what it was once before. And like you said, the, the protein content is, is very different and, and acts very different because you hear about people who go, who have celiac or have a gluten sensitivity and they go to another country and eat their wheat there and they don't have an issue with it. You hear that a lot. Yeah. Well, I uh-huh. will say I will buy Italian. Pasta okay. From nice. Italy. Otherwise it's, everything's got to be yep. organic, but you know, if it's from Italy, um, I'll buy it. Yeah. It's, you hear that a ton people who, I mean, Italy is a perfect example. They go there and they eat pasta, like it's their job and they have no problems with it, you know? (laughs) So there is, there is something to be said, you know, I know that it's, it's not a simple answer by any means. It's, I think there's many, many things at play, like most often with, you know, with anything, but, um, it's definitely something that people, when they remove it for at least a time, they can see a major difference in their inflammation, for the, for the better. And, you know, there, I've had very few people who have removed gluten for a time that haven't felt a difference. I I've had like, I like less than a handful of people not feel a difference. Now does that, that doesn't mean they're celiac. That doesn't mean they have this crazy, you know, food sensitivity to it, sensitivity to it. It might mean that it's, you know, and I guess however you want to look at it, but it just means that their, you know, gut needs to be healed and it's causing an inflammatory response to them at this time. And, you know, maybe people can grow out of that. I, I don't know. I think it, I think it has a lot to do with some of the stuff that other stuff that's on our, our, our crops, you know, that it might not be just that protein. It could be, you know, right. the lectins and, you know, which that's a whole nother thing. It's such a comp. I know it's so complex, <laughs> yeah. you know, but you know, I, I think it would be an interesting exercise for somebody who does feel they have gluten issues to like get a, a, a pasta, a high quality pasta that's made in Italy that's been imported mm-hmm. and try it and see if there's a difference. Yeah. I think that's kind of what you have to do. I mean, obviously if a person is, gets horribly sick from eating. I, they probably don't want to dare do that, but I think, you know, so that you guys, you know, they have to take, take it, uh, you know, at their own risk kind of thing. But I think that's the only way you actually really know. And some of it is sort of a delayed reaction too. That's the other thing that people need to understand. Uh You know, people talk about food allergies and I mean, in, in sort of that traditional or the mainstream medical setting, an allergy is, when the, the word allergy is used, it's usually referring to that anaphylactic reaction, that IgE reaction where you're taking an EpiPen, you know, rushing to the ER for, you know, that it's usually, yeah, I know they're not always that dramatic, but I've been there before. That's why I'm saying it. So, I mean, um, you know, it's, it's usually that's what they're saying is a true allergy where you can have some delayed reactions because it's a different part of your immune system responding. And that's what we see a lot of time with these food sensitivities, you know, whether it's from soy, whether it's from gluten, whether you're celiac or not, you know, it's a different thing than a straight up allergy in the context of traditional 
you know, what traditional Western medicine. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know if that's a, just something to point out because I think people use the words interchangeably, but just so you know, if you go to your doctor and talk about your food allergy, they may be thinking something completely different. So maybe it's better to talk about food sensitivity. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Or inflammatory <laughs> foods. This is inflammatory to me. You know, that's, that's kind of what I think. And so it can look like, it can look like that gunky throat. It can look like an itchy, itchy ears. And I mean, that can also be a, a you know, an anaphylactic type of thing, a precursor, but um, people can have that, especially dairy. I feel like dairy causes that gunkiness where they're stuffy, more mucus is produced. Maybe they have, um, maybe they feel extremely t- tired. Maybe they feel bloated and stuff. It could be a, a day or two later where they're feeling really lethargic and struggling with, with some symptoms, but they're never going to go back and go, Oh, well, two days ago I ate, you know, such and such. That's what's causing this problem. But that is part of the process. And in education, I don't know, I think of it as like metacognition, you don't know what you don't know. And so that's what I try to teach people to learn about themselves. I mean, I can tell them what I think, but unless they go through the process and really understand that when they're doing this, this is causing that and putting, you know, connecting those dots and really understanding what's going on, um, you know, then it's, it's a lot easier to make strides going forward rather than saying, Oh, this doesn't work. I'm going to quit, you know, because, you know, you don't, you don't know what's causing what, and if people aren't educated on that, then it's just sort of a, you know, just another thing people are doing. Cause you hear about that a lot of times where people are like, Oh, I'm just going to be, I'm gluten-free now. Well, why? <laughs> what? Are, why are you being gluten free? You know, do you have some sensitivities? What are your symptoms? Or yeah, do you think right, it's just right. healthier in general? And a lot of gluten free foods. I look at, at the ingredients. No, like, they'd be worse healthy. than eating it's the like, gluten itself. I think for people. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know, I know. And I do know. Uh, talking about dairy, I know several people who don't do well on dairy, but they do fine on raw yeah. dairy. Mm-hmm. I hear that too. And, and that's, um, it's a little hard to get raw milk. Depends on where you live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of like an underground situation for some people. And, um, but I know the people who do find it and, and get it, they have no problems whatsoever. I'm fortunate in that I don't, I could care less about dairy milk. I don't need it. I don't care about it. So, but I know some people, I, when we talk about with people if they need to remove some dairy for a while and we talk about removing their glass of milk with their dinner every night that because that's what you you know in a farming community you drink milk at the dinner table and if you don't you're not going to be healthy that's that's you have to drink milk because that's the only place you can get your calcium is is the thought process and so it is it's just ingrained and it's glued in like dairy is way harder for people to reduce than and get rid of um even for a a small time than gluten by far People really struggle. It's like white knuckle to get through that process. Um, but usually that that's usually a big one for people too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So how do you work with clients? When, let's say somebody wants to work with you. What, you know, how do you? Yeah, do you so mostly, mostly virtual, you know, telehealth. I have a HIPAA compliant, you know, health portal where I do um, either phone conversations or we do video calls, which is kind of nice because you can see people, they can see me, but it helps yeah. with flexibility with scheduling. 
Um, definitely. So mostly that way. I, I like to package my programs with consultations as well as the support that goes with it, as well as, you know, any kind of testing or programs or anything that goes along with it. I like to package those together with people. So it's a comprehensive process rather than I don't like to do and I actually don't do it very much anymore um, where I don't do one-offs because people don't get better. They don't get what they need by just, you know, booking a, a time slot with me and then that's it. You know, there's, there's, cause what I do is very functional. It's very in depth. It's not just someone usually just getting a meal plan from me. That's not typically how I work. Right. I would, Im- I would imagine. Yes. A lot, a lot of coaching. Of we do a lot of self-care strategies, emotional eating work, you know, not to say that I'm a therapist cause I'm not, I'm not trying to pretend I'm one, but it, you know, that goes into the process of why are people so stuck on having that glass of milk at dinner time or whatever, you know, so we kind of, you know, that is part of the process. Um, the education being my teaching background, I just, I, I can't help myself. I just have to teach about, you know, yep, yep. the other things you might come to me because you're tired, but we're, we need to talk about gut health. We need to talk about those nutri- nutrient deficiencies. And then you need to understand, you know, how this is working against you and not for you. And so that's typically how, that's typically how we work with people. And what's exciting about this book, and I don't know if you want to get into that, but it was, it was kind of going yeah, into sure. how um, I work with people. I'm super excited to, you know, help people out as much as possible with the launch of this book, because I'm, I'm going to be putting a Facebook group together for the people who buy this book during this launch, um, where it, I will take them personally through the eight weeks of the program so they can go through the process and learn, learn from it. And they just follow along in the book. So, and that's going to be an option for people who purchased between July 16th, which is the launch date through August 3rd. Okay. So up through August 3rd, they okay. can, you know, just send, they just would send me the purchase confirmation to info at rockbottomwellness.com. And then I would put them in the free Facebook group. And like I said, I will take them through personally each week of the program and, and teach them how to get the ball rolling and get, get started to feel amazing in a short time. Wow, that's yeah. Awesome. I'm, ex- I'm so excited um, to do it. I've I've done it numerous times, and I just the fact that they can have that book in their hand and follow along and ask me questions along the way is is super exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And having the support, yes, of the group. for sure. Now, what about lab work? You know, you've got a you know a pretty much traditional allopathic MD. If I wanted to get a better lab panel uh, than the, you know, the usual, just traditional kind of stuff, what would I go to my doctor and ask for? Well, for the thyroid panel, I mean, I I would ask, and and like you said, not everybody is open to doing it, and I've experienced that myself, even with my background in thyroid cancer and issues, Um, but it needs to be, you know, the TSH, the free T4, free T3, reverse T3. TPO antibodies and, and antithyroid globulin. Those, you know, you need to look at the antibodies. You need to have those numbers to show conversion. Are you converting into reverse T3 because you're under stress? So what, what I recommend, there are people who have doctors who, that, you know, that I've been working with that have someone who will absolutely draw 
those labs for them. Um, if they're, if they don't, I have, you know, I have an independent lab that I recommend people go to. So they, you know, it's a cash pay situation for that, but people are most willing to do that and to get that under control Mm -hmm. and get at least a baseline. You maybe don't, you don't have to do that every six months or every four months or whatever it is. You just need a baseline. Do you even have antibodies? Because that, you know, you might look at your condition a little bit different if it's an autoimmune process um, and, and you need to be a little bit more diligent and, you know, medication absolutely might tamp those those antibodies down so you're not damaging the thyroid over the long term you know and I have a lot of people that do not want to go on meds and I understand that but if you have crazy antibodies and your body is attacking your thyroid you're gonna wish you would have taken some medicine at some point so what about minerals and you know things like that? yeah so I um I like to utilize a test that looks at cellular level nutrition. And so people go to an independent lab to have that done as well. And so it depends kind of what your area is. And um, some like around here, some states don't even have a place to do that. So it just really depends. And that would be, be sort of on a case by, case by case basis. My local area, I do these tests all the time because there's one that's very convenient for a couple of them. Actually, they're really convenient to where I live and and a lot of the people that I see. It's kind of a logistical thing, depends on where you live, but it's, it's a panel that from what, from what I've experienced and from what people I've been working with have asked for their doctors to do is that I know at their regular clinic, they will not do it. They're not open to it. And they have said flat out that it doesn't tell them anything. Not necessary. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I'm not making that up. It's a true story. It's, it, it kind of blows my mind. But it's just, that the, it's just that a lot of them aren't trained that way. They don't, you know, nutrition is not a factor in, in medical school for, for much of it anyway. There's very little nutrition training. Right. And so that's just not how they're educated. And it doesn't mean they don't or couldn't understand it. It's just they don't have time to, number one. And, you know, for someone to bring an outside, you know, test panel to them, they don't really have time for that, the way that the systems are set up around here anyway, from, from what I've been told, you know, from the people that have tried to get that done. So yes, usually an independent lab will do this, this panel that looks at um, 30, 30 plus nutrients, cellular level nutrients to really give us that good picture of what is going on in the body or what's not going on more like, more like it. Um, so that's what I typically do. And you may, you may have to go to a naturopath yes. to get, uh, to get a, a lab rec for, yeah. for that. Yep. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, like I said, I, I have people do that test regularly because it helps me help them so much more efficiently it is absolutely um it's worth every penny that it costs them to do that so like I said before I I mean I package those together with my services and so it again depends on where they live logistics and and how that um and just how it can be done and if it can be done in their area so I've had some people travel for four hours to get a blood draw for this test oh, because wow. they were really wanting to do that. That's not typical, but I have had that happen. Right. So, yeah, mm-hmm. wow. so Tiffany, when does your Facebook group start? So the Facebook group will start August 3rd. So we've got a, it'll be a couple of weeks after the launch of the book. And, okay. um, yeah, so August, I believe that's the magical Monday. You know how you always have to start some, something on a Monday. Um, August 3rd is a Monday, August 3rd, 2020. So, 
yep, starting on a Monday. And then, like I said, it'll go through eight weeks of how it's spelled out in the program. And how do people connect with you? So they can connect with me via my website, which is rockbottomwellness.com. My Facebook, my general Facebook group is called Nutrition for Thyroid Health. My book can be purchased through rockbottomwellness.com forward slash book. And then um, there'll be the links to that. It'll be available through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Kindle. And that'll be available on July 16th. Give us the title of the The Rock Bottom Thyroid Treatment. And it's an eight-week diet for those with, quote-unquote, normal thyroid test results to thrive, not just survive. And for anyone who's interested but feels a little nervous, you really should read the book when it comes out because Tiffany really does you know, I think she does a good job of showing that a lot of her clients have been very nervous about doing this and and very um, yes. skeptical. People are surprised how how well they're able to, to do it. Yeah, and it's amazing because people usually who start working with me, not always, but often, they they come to me thinking that or saying that I'm their last hope. They've done absolutely everything. They've gone to every doctor. All the tests are normal. There's nothing wrong with them, yet they feel horrible. And, you know, it really, I just want to give people hope. And I want to give, I want to under have people understand that they can be empowered. And just because they've been told there's nothing else they can, that, that can be done to help them, that is not true. It's probably not true. Well, that is the perfect wrap Yes. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Wow, thank you. This has really been, and you know, as you know, I know a lot about this subject, but I've learned a lot too. So I really, yeah, I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate the work that you're doing. And I I think it's great. So once again, people, um, if you purchase her book between the launch date, July 16th and August 3rd, you are eligible to be a part of Tiffany's Facebook group. She will walk you through her eight week program and um, you'll have access to her to ask questions and get support and I think it's an awesome thank you yeah I'm so excited to help people out and they can feel so much better in just eight weeks it's a great place to start well thank you so much Tiffany I really appreciate it yeah thank you too oh you're welcome take care all right thank you thank you Tiffany Clayton for sharing your work with us I have no doubt that many will benefit. The podcast website is realjanine.com, where you can listen to or download episodes and click on links to my guest information. And remember, Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N. To subscribe to Keeping It Real with Janine, go to your favorite podcast provider and check out my YouTube channel with video slideshows of all my conversations. And be sure to subscribe there too. Do you know someone who would benefit from my conversation with Tiffany? Please share with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Take care and be well.